1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: and Welcome to a Bohemian Podcast. I'm Pete Coleman. And I'm Travis Dow. Tonight we continue with part two of Rudolf II and his influence not only on Prague and the Bohemia, but also on Central Europe and sciences and the arts. So we will take a look at his second half of his life Um, after he had become emperor of the Habsburg dynasty and the Holy Roman Empire. We will take a look at decline of his life, and some would say the most significant part of his life when it comes to alchemy, when it comes to art.
1: We mentioned that he had a a collection of vast things, um, and and he had his own alchemist laboratory, But uh, he took it a step further. I mean, so he, he, we also mentioned that he invited all these scientists to Prague. But another thing, there was part of this had a specific reason. And one of the things that he was after, or that he wanted for his collection, was the Philosopher's Stone. And there's a lot of um, just neat architecture. One thing that I love is the House of the Two Golden Bears, which is. Right. Coming it's, right in, it's right in
0: Old Town, in Old Town yeah, Square. Yeah,
1: right off of Old Town Square. And it's – it's so if you're walking from Wenceslas Square to Old Town Square, which is, you know, two major touristy hub areas, which – so because it's, it's the alleyway between the two, just thousands of people walk by. And I used to be a ghost tour guide, and it's just right there, this fascinating building. It's actually the oldest house – still standing. Not the oldest building, but the oldest kind of dwelling still standing. It's from 1567. And there's two golden bears up there. There's two knights. There's a lot of alchemist symbolism. And the the thing is, is that so many people just walk right by and have no idea what they're looking at. So if, if you know where to look, you can see this alchemist history in Prague. And that was all Rudolf II's doing. I mean, he's the one that brought them in. Um, there's there's one building that it's at one point it was an alchemist laboratory. It's long since been torn down, but the building standing there today built in the 1930s still has a little statue commemorating some of the stories that, that happened there. But coming back to the two golden bears, um, if you, if you look, you'll just see two stone bears. But if you take a picture with flash, those bears turn gold, right? This is obviously the alchemist, um, history. And, um, the, the, the symbolism, you know, it could be that the bears are like Ursa Minor, Ursa Major, you know, Big and Little Dipper, and uh, the knights could be Fountain of, you know, the cycle of life, one's young, one's old. Uh, there's a lot of symbolism um, on the on the facade there. Um, but there's there's more than that. There's also the Golden Lane in the. Uh, in the castle, which is very famous it,
0: Well, it, it's famous for several reasons If you, if you go up to um, Hrachny Hill, which is the, the, the One of the parapoints of, of all of Prague That looks mm-hmm. over at the Latava Valley St. Vitus Cathedral is there You go into yeah. the Prague, this is actually where the president Current president of the Czech Republic oh, yeah. no, it's, yeah, Is yeah, station.
1: It is actually the biggest castle, I believe and definitely the biggest, still in use, by the head of state. I mean, yeah. this is where they they have the you know the, the visiting heads of states and, and whatnot. This is where they full receive them. throngs of tourists oh, at yeah. <laughs> any given yeah.
0: time. But depending on where you come in, you you can pass what the presidential palace is. You go just to the right of, of St Vitus Cathedral, around mm-hmm. the back, past the Royal Ball Game. They call it the Royal Ballgame mm-hmm. uh, uh, Palace. And then you count, you slip on past uh, St. George's Basilica, yep. one of the oldest basilicas in all of Europe. And you slip down the road, uh, and it gets a little cobblestone if you will. And yep. <laughs> and you go through this little gate, and it's the tiniest little row houses. It's just a little like
1: alleyway. Tiny yeah. little
0: homes, no, no larger than, than maybe 8 feet, 9 feet tall mm-hmm. at the most as far as the floor to roof. And you know for, uh, Franz Kafka actually uh, stayed there at one point mm-hmm. in the 20th century to write some of his books, and they say he wrote The Castle about his experience in the Golden Lane. Yet, yeah, let's go back in time uh, to the time we're talking about here, where the Golden Lane was actually called the Golden Lane for this one purpose—to mm-hmm. make gold.
1: Yep. There's there's a few kind of famous stories of of alchemists living there. Um, one mysterious man that uh, supposedly, uh, you know just toiling away his whole life and then ran out of the door in kind of a eureka moment and then just said I did it and then dropped dead um, <laughs> and, took, so and took the secrets to the grave we don't know what he did, he did but, <laughs> but um, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of stories about that um, what, some, about, what about the story about
0: where there was not much left but holes in the ceiling um, yeah. yeah do you know that could you so, so tell our list so about I, that story? I
1: yeah this is this is um another building this is this is outside of the castle kind of near the river and um so there's there's uh, this is the building i, I kind of mentioned that was built in the 1930s but there's a there's a devil's statue there and supposedly what that commemorates is it used to be a an alchemist lab with several alchemists were living there and at some point The alchemists just disappeared. No one was getting rent. No one knew what happened. They were just gone. And when they went in to investigate, they found these holes in the roof. And so to make sense of all this, they figured, well, you know, obviously to make gold, you need to sign away your soul to the devil, right? Duh. So uh, eventually this devil came to collect and pulled them up through the roof. And a More likely stories that the alchemist kind of created a few uh, explosions, combustible
0: issues, yeah,
1: <laughs> combustible <laughs> issues, yeah, and then just you can see my air
0: quotes right now, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you know, it's kind of split. So, and and, and as you listen to for future podcasts on Bohemican dot com, uh, you'll you'll know that we say a lot of things that are legends that are hard to believe, and I think that that's part of the tapestry of being Czech, as part of of, of the history and legacy of of, of Bohemia. Mm-hmm. is to tell these stories that have maybe sometimes only 5% truth. <laughs> yeah, maybe a lot maybe more legends. truth than sure. that. Yeah. Uh, but it's something that stays with the folks here uh, that uh, binds them to this land. Uh, there's a story or a legend every place you walk here in Prague. Yeah. Every play, every little small hamlet in the Czech Republic, every medium small city or town or village has got a story or a legend. Sure. Oh, so yeah. in the time of Rudolf II – there, there were plenty of these legends around because, again, we're talking about the occult well, uh, yeah. and, and, and magicians and sorcerers and witches. Uh, these stories were abound.
1: Well, the, the, yeah, the thing about Rudolph II is that he purposefully brought these interesting people and in, these interesting characters. And um, if, if you listen to uh, the History of the Alchemy podcast, we'll, you know I'll do an episode on Kepler and Brahe, on John Dee and Edward Kelly. Um, so mathematicians, uh, astrologers, um, and just straight up alchemists that that found refuge under Rudolf II. And um, you know, we mentioned Rudolf himself had a laboratory. Um, to to give you just a, a quick overview of some of these characters. So uh, Kepler and Brahe, maybe people know. This, you know, this is the 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 astronomist duo, let's say. And uh, but even these guys, they one of the one of the purposes to get better readings of astronomy was to have better horoscopes in astrology. But Edward Kelly, uh, so these are British alchemists and they came to Prague. And Kelly actually, um, who I'm going to go out on a limb here and say he was a fraud, just out for the money. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a different episode. But um, he actually became a Czech citizen. So he, he stayed. And then um, he, he lived in Librece in Nova Liban and uh, some nine other villages. I mean, he kind of moved away, uh, moved around. But in the end, he died penniless by drinking poison. Uh, his family was disinherited. So he actually, Liberitz is a, is, a, is kind of a, let's call it a chateau. I mean, so he, he had a lot of money at some point, but he was found out maybe, uh, lost grace, hard to say. Uh, but in any case, his his son was last heard of 20 years later in most which is a a, a town in czech republic um another uh, a court phys, a court alchemist actually so one that rudolf actually you know had in the castle was a polish alchemist named michael sedzivoy and so this really kind of contributed to prague's reputation as a mystical uh, you know let's say a cult city at the time um But it didn't necessarily have a happy ending for a lot of these guys.
0: You know, I I would think that this is a great opportunity to bring up the Powder Tower in Prague Castle.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, When you talk
0: about unhappy endings for scientists and uh, metallurgists and alchemists that, that came from all corners of Europe to Prague to practice their craft or their science. The story goes like this. Rudolf II was really pressing hard for someone to come up with the formula to make gold. And he brought all his all his selected group of men mm-hmm. and thought, here's the deal. I'm going to bring them to Prague Castle. I'm going to give them one of the larger towers that I had built for gunpowder. And I'm going to clear it out of the gunpowder. And I'm going to basically put up uh, a laboratory, a, a, a dormitory, and uh, a place to house my learned men of science. And maybe by them being in one place at one time, I can do one of two things. I can keep... That knowledge in one place under my eye, and two, I can look at it and say, I'm putting the smartest men in one room together. Maybe they can share knowledge, and together with groups, think they can come up with the, this idea of, be, of of making gold.
1: Yeah, think, okay,
0: think tank of uh, a think tank. Yeah, um, of the think tank didn't go too well, um, and I'll tell you why. Sanitary issues were were to blame. Mm-hmm. There were was no running water. There was no toilet system. They were kept as prisoners. In, in yeah. this tower, yeah. and if you come to if you come to Prague Castle, you can actually go to the Royal Gardens to the Summer Palace and look across the, the hunting um, valley that they used to put bears down below and and, and wild game such as lions and whatnot uh, for fun for hunting. You'll look right across to the to the south end of of the um, Prague Castle, and you'll see this giant parapet that is where they were housed. It's still there today, and they were kept in one place. Now I want you to think about the smell, folks. Okay, let's bring it down to reality. Do we reality. have to? Uh, you have to. because yeah. <laughs> this is how the story ends. Okay, um, <laughs> there's no running water. There's no toilets. So basically, that smell of just human living—it's it's hot. It's, yeah. it's pretty harsh. Yeah. All right, the smell must have been epic. All right. Ripe. 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 Okay, uh, so you have you have that smell going on. You also have the smell of, of, of burning uh, powders and and elixirs and and the things that go into a laboratory. Um, they
1: experimented with sulfur a lot. Rotten eggs.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Not a lot of ventilation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would beg, "Can we please go down to your moat?" Down where the the hunting area is, so we can just get a breath of fresh air. with these oh, scientists imagine saying.
1: seeing that out of your window. This beautiful green moat, which you know, it's still a sight to see. You can yeah. walk through it today. And, it's, it's a park. Know.
0: It's a park today. Yeah. But at the time, here's here's where the royalty kicks in. Rudolph II says, "All right, guys." Uh, I'm not going to have riff-raff walking through my royal hunting area because it's going to make me look bad. So no, the answer is no. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So uh, they stayed. So, Travis, what did they do as a protest?
1: Basically, they they shaved off their beards. But this is important because um, it was believed that some of their mystic abilities came from having these long beards. So shaving this off. Wasn't just a, a, a simple like hunger strike. This was like now, now we can no longer do alchemy, so therefore you know why not let us go? But on the other hand, you know he wasn't all bad. I mean, uh, he di- he did do quite a bit of good besides being a patron of the arts and everything. Um, uh, one thing in particular was he he really kind of protected the rights of the Jews, and um, it's interesting like the the Jewish quarter here is a is a special one in Prague. And the reason it's even that you can actually go there in the first place is um, one story I heard was that in World War II, a lot of the during the you know any anywhere the Germans occupied territory, a lot of the Jewish quarters were just dismantled. But in Prague, it was kept. And what I was told was that um, Hitler actually made a choice to keep the Prague Jewish quarter intact as kind of a morbid like memorial to a lost race. Right, so. Um, yeah, well, keep, keep well, that and, in mind. And if today,
0: if you were to uh, go down to the to the Jewish Quarter, it is pretty intact for the history, the long history that it has. However, it was a much bigger territory oh, yeah. of Prague yeah, yeah. At, at a certain time. The Rudolfinum
1: was was so. What is now the Rudolfinum like now? Which the, where the Prague Symphony is mm-hmm. located, So the located. Jewish Quarter was – like they actually demolished part of the Jewish Quarter to build that building. Yeah, so.
0: and it goes right up to the Latava River. But if you ever get a chance to see that quarter, it is absolutely amazing. But you're right, oh, yeah. Travis. There was a unique connection between Rudolf II and mm-hmm. uh, the Jewish community. Yeah, abroad. he uh,
1: – for one, he – um, he kind of took his father's lead, and he protected the the rights. He he made them more or less autonomous. They had their own courts. He didn't really meddle in in, in the affairs. In fact, he protected them from the Christian guilds that would kind of bully them out of some areas of business. So they, um, you know, they they really, especially compared to to other parts of Europe at the time. Um, in, in fact, you know, Jews flocked to Prague so much that it was the biggest. Jewish community in, in Europe or, or possibly the world, um, this is this is also the time of these famous legends like the golem and, uh, you know, Kabbalism, and uh, actually there's there's a couple of really great stories pertaining to Rudolf II.
0: One of my favorite stories about Rudolf II uh, was his interaction with Rabbi Lowe. Rabbi Lowe was a, um, a very influential man, one of the most mm-hmm. influential men, uh in the Jewish religion in in Europe and if we could take you back to the to the 16th century they say these two actually had a working relationship but as we allu- just alluded to there was a, a very good relationship later in Rudolf's reign but at first it was rocky there was a decree that went out that Rudolf II wanted to expel all the Jewish uh community beyond the Prague, Prague areas deep into other parts of central europe Now, of course, this would have made the Jewish community very uh, scared and upset. There is a strong connection in Judaism to uh, your burial ground, to your synagogues, Mm -hmm. to one of the oldest synagogues here in in all of Europe is right here in Prague Mm -hmm. in the Czech Republic uh, called the Old New Synagogue, Mm -hmm. Uh, a story for another time with that name. It really was a long history here for the Jewish community, and Rudolf was going to say you need to scram. And uh, Rabbi Lowe knew that this would be devastating to his community, and uh, actually to the city of Prague. So he went out to talk to the emperor. Could you imagine the guile of this man, the uh, the hutzpah, if I can use uh, uh, chutzpah, yeah. <laughs> if I can use the Yiddish, uh, the hutzpah to actually go to Prague Castle, basically knock on the door and say, "I want to have a, a a meeting with, with, with uh, the emperor, please." Of course, he was turned away. All mm-hmm. right, <laughs> and so he took matters in his own hand. Went to Charles Bridge, Karlov Most is what Mm -hmm. we call it here in Prague, and stood and waited for the procession that happened every day for Rudolf II's excursions across the Vltava to the other side of town. And once the carriage and and the uh, accompaniment came across the Charles Bridge, he stood in the way of the horses and would not move. Of course, Rudolf looked out the window and said, What is going on here? As people were throwing things and, and yelling things at Rabbi Lowe to get out of the way. He went up, bowed very, very graciously to the emperor, and said, uh, "I need to have a, a, a meeting with you, sir, about about the Jewish community." To Rudolph's credit, he said, "I will agree to this. Mm-hmm. Let's meet. Let's meet uh, at your side of town, and we will discuss." Rabbi Lowe offered for him to to uh, entertain the emperor in his home. Yeah. Which in itself is amazing that That, an emperor would actually be attending this. That's why I'm not too sure about how this legend works out, but let's just say that's possible. Mm -hmm. So flash forward the very next day. The emperor comes to make a a visit to to, to, uh, Rabbi Lowe's home. He comes into the home. The home is unbelievably uh, decorated with just uh,
1: wonderful carpets. Drapes of the finest types of tapestry, and probably against his expectations. I mean, if you go, basically, you're going to the slums, right? And you're, you know, you're going into, you know, who knows what his expectations were? Like, okay, I'm going to go, uh, literally, to the ghetto, and you know, may, and may go, to this, go to this guy's house. He was going to
0: appease the Jewish community, knowing mm-hmm, that he was going to uproot so, them, yeah. but he was going to make the effort. Uh, to his credit, all right. So he goes in and he sees marble staircases. He sees this amazing deal and he smells of a, a, a feast being prepared for him by Rabbi Lowe. And Rabbi Lowe was very gracious and and, and really catered to to such a, an amazing guest at his home. They say that Rudolph did not show his expression of surprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure he was surprised. Yeah. Okay, so he goes in, they have a, a great dinner, and he tries to convince the emperor not to do this to the people. And he's successful. Mm -hmm. All right? So Rudolf II reverses his his decree, and the the Jewish people get to stay in Prague, and this fosters in a whole new level of cooperation that you just alluded to, Travis, between uh, the the Jews and the Gentiles of of Prague at the time in the 16th century, Uh, something that uh, his predecessor – several hundred years beforehand Charles IV tried to do as well yeah. but Rudolf really took it to heart and i think that goes back to what we said in part 1 of our of our podcast about Rudolf that he did not allow the chains of of division especially secular division within the within the church or with outside the church to separate his kingdom
1: right yeah, he was he was tolerant of, of more or less all walks of life and uh, with, within reason, but yeah, with yeah, it, within reason at the time. Yeah.
0: And I think Rabbi Lowe was able to go on and uh, uh, be such an influential leader uh, with, with with the uh, with the uh, the people. But there there is one little thing I, I, I have to say, and I'd be remiss not to say this during this dinner, if you can imagine the emperor and his his uh, his, uh, um, his group of people having dinner with Rabbi Lowe, Rabbi Lowe brought out a lantern.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. A magical, if you can, I wish you could see this air quote, <laughs> magical <laughs> lantern. Okay, he put it on the table, and he lit the fire, and what it was was basically just showing shadows on the wall, but he did it in a way that he showed different parts of Europe silhouetted against the wall, uh, okay. including yeah. Prague Castle, and uh-huh. so just as, and he would tell that he used this uh, this device to tell to weave these great stories of of his travels and what he knew, and this in itself endeared him to Rudolf ii who loved technology as as basic as this was but also loved stories and and knowing that that rabbi Lowe was a very intelligent man well this he, he had to have him in his obviously
1: court. the most likely thing that happened was that uh, I think this is obvious to our listeners is that Rabbi Lowe is a time traveler and he brought a projector <laughs> with him but to read the second, would sense. this would obviously <laughs> seem like magic, so oh yeah. And right. it would be. I Clearly. mean I,
0: I you know, I can do maybe Shadow Puppets on the Wall too, but not like this. And, <laughs> right. And not with nothing on the line. You know, Rabbi Lowe had to have the Emperor agree to this or mm-hmm. game over, you know, for yeah. the Jewish community yeah. here. So that really endeared him and they say that Rabbi Lowe would be able to be invited to the castle for debates and theological discussions and uh, scientific discussions with the emperor. So <laughs> it, to be a fly on the wall, man, I tell you what would be just yeah. amazing to be uh listening to Rabbi Lowe and uh the emperor oh, talking.
1: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Despite all his legacy and uh, you know all the great things he accomplished or or what we perceive as great things at the at the time he wasn't so loved, but later on in life his um, uh, if he was indeed insane or whatever kind of instabilities he had started to show more and more and just the fact that he was not interested in affairs of state and he was very secluded and everything, this started to become more obvious and more important in fact the um, Holy Roman Empire was constantly battling the Turks, you know, the Ottomans at the time and he just he just wasn't interested in this, he didn't take this seriously and um, so his brother, Matthias, eventually stepped in and started to take control of parts of the empire. Um, at first it was, uh, you know, Austria and, and Hungary and, and some of the, the more su- southeasterly regions to actually wage the war. And so, you know, Rudolf would send money, but, but the empire wasn't actually split in half, but it did have two rulers at the time. And his brother... Um, finally took control to the point where Rudolf was imprisoned in the Prague Castle. You know, call it house arrest. I mean, uh, Prague Castle isn't exactly a prison, but um, uh, his his mental health, you know, kept declining, and he eventually died in uh, six, 1612, which was six years before the Second Defenestration, and therefore just, just a few years before the Thirty Years' War. When you look at how life
0: changed in Prague following his abdication to uh his brother matthias and 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 later his death uh it, it was a huge drop off mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. th- this era this golden era of Prague was over there were going to be some other highlights of uh, of uh of, of prague's prominence at different points of, of history uh and there would be uh, of course. Um, other emperors that would come through Prague or consider Prague a stopover residence from Vienna in the Habsburg dynasty. Uh, but at this point, this was a huge ending.
1: I guess, yeah, if you, if you think about it, he was really the last. There was, you know, Charles IV and, and some before him. But then after his death with the Thirty Years' War, which, um, you know, we'll do an episode on that because that, that's a lot of those battles were fought here in, in Bohemia and central Germany, obviously, but, but they lost lost a chunk, you know, 30% of their population, and um, we'll get into that, but, you know, after his death, um, that's basically it, because in 30 years' war, and then the uh, Austrian, you know, the direct Austrian occupation after the defenestration, and that basically happened until 1916, 19, or 1917, 1918 is when they got their independence. I'd say the only exception was uh, one one blip, who was uh, Ferdinand I, who for some reason loved Prague, right?
0: The Ferdinand I of Austria um, mm-hmm. actually was just as enamored uh, uh, with Prague as uh, as uh, Rudolf II was. Uh, Ferdinand I and the fourth, depending on wh- what okay. part of Europe yeah, yeah. which you, nobility you, you lived yeah. in, or which title, um, mm-hmm. uh, part was was part of the Habsburgs before he abdicated uh, in 1875. Uh, he okay. he so was later, um, yeah. you know had a lot of uh, genetic disabilities related to the mm-hmm. uh, inbreeding of his family as well. He couldn't really talk that much. We'll have to actually talk about it in another show. Uh, but uh, he loved Prague very much. He lived here in, in, and and uh, um, he moved his uh, his life here after abdicating. Uh, but you're right, Travis. I, I think this was the last time that the the Habsburgs would look at Prague as the seat of power. They mm-hmm. looked at it maybe as a as their cottage <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, or yeah. As, a, as a summer place to go visit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bohemia was important to the Austria-Hungarian Empire. Later on, as we approached the Industrial Revolution, uh, it, it was basically uh, an industrial hub of that empire. But the artwork, the music, the the um, the science, all that was generated by the love of these type of, mm-hmm. of, of disciplines by Rudolf II. Right. And without him, People like yourself and myself would probably be struggling to to talk about why Prague really is all that important.
1: Yeah, I mean, after his death, you know, his his collection was scattered in the wind, um, but but yeah, I mean, that's you know part of the part of the reason. Let, let, let me say that the Prague that I love the most is Rudolf II's Prague, like this this mystery, this this mysticism, even you know the the. Just the, the the stories, the legends about you know even things the famous ones like the Gollum and 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 these things. That's Rudolf II's Prague. I think if if Rudolf II hadn't been in Prague, maybe I would be in another city. Like you know that's really the. It's not the only thing. I mean you know Charles IV did what he did. I mean you know he left his imprint all over the place. But Rudolf II is a really interesting character that's that's often overlooked. You know in in his uh, in his extravagant ways and. St- strange eccentricities. You can see walking through Prague, you can still see uh,
0: his, uh, Rudolf II's fingerprints. Oh yeah, uh, here. Yeah. Uh, you may not see it in other places uh, in, in Bohemia or uh, in the Czech Republic, but Prague, you can definitely see that here. You go to Prague Castle, you'll see you'll see uh, his influence there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unfortunately, you mentioned the Thirty Years' War. Many of the things that he had had built up or uh, accumulated here were scattered to the wind by the hordes of – uh, Protestants finding the Catholics here, right mm-hmm. on the city streets. Many things were burned, looted, taken away. That includes the Devil's Bible that we talked about earlier. Um, the uh, was taken actually back to Sweden.
1: Yeah, um, like all these things we mentioned, the Holy Grail. You have to go to Vienna. The Devil's Bible. You have to go to Stockholm. It, it, you know, it, right? It, so it,
0: Prague lost a lot of that. These um, were all in treasures. one room
1: at some point. Yeah. yeah or you, know, one you go
0: to Vienna and you, you see these artifacts. Uh, it is absolutely amazing that that Viennese uh, connection. To Prague was a little strained after this. Right after uh, Rudolf's uh, death, approaching the 17th century, uh, all the power went to Vienna, mm-hmm. and and right. so the, it was a, a curtain call uh, for for the for for this this glorious time mm-hmm. uh, that that we call that we have here during the uh, the Rudolf uh, rule. Well, that about do it tonight for Rudolf II, Part Two. We hope you enjoyed part one and part two of Rudolf II and his connection to Prague and Bohemia. Uh, we were very happy to bring that information to you as well. Tonight's information came from, uh, well, as we look towards our bibliography, our tonight's information came from Prague in Black and Gold by Peter Demitz, uh, Mad Kings and Queens by Alison Rattle and
1: Alison Vale. Which he definitely is one. He, he, he fits in. He fits perfect. in that yeah, pretty yeah. pretty well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: 77 Prague Legends by Alina yeah. Jezkova, and Esoteric Prague by Yuri Kushnar. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, another uh, interesting book, an esoteric product, again, fits very well mm-hmm. to uh, Rudolph the Second's reign here.
1: Well, thanks for listening. Check out uh, historyofalchemy.com uh, for the historyofalchemy.com podcast and let us know what you think, ideas, feedbacks, corrections, anything at podcast at historyofalchemy.com. We'd love to hear from you.
0: And we also love for you to join, uh, join us over at bohemican.com. Take a look at all the tabs. There are plenty of things to look at on this. On this, If you want to know what life is like here in Czech Republic and Bohemia, uh, you can take a look at what food is enjoyed here. You can take a look at the history, the battles, the pop culture, the uh, the references to uh, the people and the artwork. It's all right there for you to look the, through as a great compendium to
1: this podcast. The weird paintings the weird commissioned paintings. by Rudolf II. <laughs> Absolutely. Take you a will, look. You
0: will see that there as well, and you can listen to a whole history of the podcasts we've done here at Bohemian Podcast as well. So again, thank you so much for listening. We're glad you can take us to, uh, on, on the way uh, to work or listen to us at home. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, for another great episode. So thanks for listening and ciao for now. Yeah, thanks very much.